The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to jamieappsmedia.com. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, the ultimate weekly entertainment recap and review show. My name is Jamie Apps, and each week I'll be joined by a rotating cast of co-hosts to run you through the entertainment media we've consumed during the week. Along the way, we'll provide you with insightful commentary and reviews. This week, I'm joined by a freelance social commentator who lists their favorite movie as American Psycho and favorite TV show as Peaky Blinders. Welcome back to the show, Blake Robinson. Welcome back, Jamie Apps. How is everything on your end, watching the world crumble? The world is crumbling, the world is ending, and um, in true 2020 fashion, it's going to go out the bang. Or a, a fizz. Yeah, there's definitely going to be no bang. Yeah, well, nobody could go to the New Year's fireworks unless they're a frontline worker anyway, so... Yeah, who, who even cares about the fireworks? Yeah, no, the fireworks are the last of my concerns. I, I can't remember the last time I made it to the fireworks like usually i'm asleep long before them if dogs hate fireworks then i also hate fireworks (laughs) (laughs) new year's eve i'm usually in bed by 10 30 i'm terrible oh it's a little bit better than me nah new year's overrated anyway i'm glad it's cancelled yeah yeah i (laughs) honestly cannot remember the last time i was awake for new year's to come in oh kitty fireworks yeah, that's usually about it. Watch the kid fireworks and then right bedtime now. What have you been checking out recently? Oh, man. Well, I was just cruising on the netties, as you do, and I stumbled across Mank. Uh, David Fincher does it. It's a, it's a movie. Um, David Fincher, of course, did Mindhunter. Okay, yep. Uh, it stars Gary Oldman, basically set in, I think it's the 30s. No, not 30s. Was it 40s? Yeah, no, it's 30s. Um, Hollywood, Golden Era, and it's basically, so it stars, just so it stars Gary Oldman? Yep. So he, um, he is the Mank character, which is this movie, I'll say he's a, he's a screenwriter, and they, um, it's all in black and white too, which is interesting. I started watching it and I was like, had to pause it and like, Google is like this whole thing in black and white, and it was, I was like, oh, I wasn't sure about it, but then um, I was like, I stuck on it, I was glad I did, it was very good, because um, they've been trying to do, make this movie for years, apparently. Right. And, um, yeah, well, David Fincher and Gary Oldman, you've sort of got me intrigued. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they'll, when they were filming or writing the movie Citizen Kane, it's based on that. Oh, okay. Um, so, it's based... It's based on a like true story, but there's like Finch's tweaked a few bits to make it like his sort of story. Yeah, sort of similar to what he did with Mindhunter, where they've, they've taken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, so they've used like the real life characters and ideas, but he's sort of got his own tip twist on it. But yeah, they've been trying to make it for years, and um, he's finally come out and finished it. Nice. Yeah, it's, um, it's great. Was it one of those freak out moments where you're like, has my TV broken when it was all black and white? <laughs> well, you know how like some of those movies, like when they're doing like flashbacks and that like, have it in black and white, so you like sort of know it's like a, a flashback, like a looking back in time sort of thing. But um, yep, I was like, oh, maybe it's just that. But no, the whole thing was black and white, which I was different. Yeah, I've, I've put a few, 
few things on recently where it's been like that and I've been like, did my TV just break? Like, what the heck's happened? And then all of a sudden it comes into color. I'm like, okay, no, sweet, I'm fine. Yeah. So they, um, they, uh, why don't they film movies in black and white? Like, they're not edited. Like, actually film them in black and white. Like, the cameras are, like, black and white cameras. Oh, they use, like, your actual black and white cameras and yeah. film and stuff. Wow. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's pretty cool. So it's not, like, edited. I think that's what it is. Wow. I suppose that would give you a more true like color palette rather than yeah yeah exactly like if you're using a digital color one and then black and white like there's going to be parts that just wash out because it doesn't pick it up properly yeah you think i don't know much about editing and whatnot but like obviously a photo it's still so everything you can see it's just easy to edit there and there but i think moving parts would be a bit hard to edit yep so was it worth the the time to get through that little yeah, it was great. I enjoyed it. Eh? I didn't like quickly ignore the fact it was in black and white, but it like really made the like it set the scene. Like it was, I almost think it would taste better in black and white because it did feel like like an old movie, like you're watching a movie from the '30s. Like you were transported back into that time and were watching it. It was really well made. And it was a good story. Gary Oldman killed it. Like really good performance. So he plays this. So the screenwriter. And um, he has like a car accident early on, and he's like breaks his leg pretty bad, and he's just he's an he's like a crippling alcoholic too. Yep. So he's just um stuck in bed, and he's got like at the estate, and he's got all these uh, assistants and servants and whatnot at his arm. He still has to he's got like a deadline he has to finish writing the Citizen Kane movie. <clears throat> so he's um yeah bedridden and uh, just drinking himself silly and writing this this movie and he uh, finally gets it done and it's, then it goes back and forth like flushes back before he, he broke his leg when he was like up and about and like, like running around yelling at everyone on uh, like on the studio sets and all that yeah yeah it's pretty pretty good how it's made I yeah, really enjoy it yeah it's, it's a Netflix Netflix original oh nice it's an interesting way to um frame a movie around another very famous movie like, yeah Citizen Kane's one of those movies that everyone sort of looks at as the pinnacle that's why I think it took them so long to finish this one because they just wanted to get it right. And I think there was a few little speed bumps along the way. Yeah, you wouldn't want to stuff this up because there'd be a lot of Citizen Kane fans that go back and watch this movie and be like, oh, no, you've ruined a classic here. What have you done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they did a very good job of it. Nice. I will have to uh, check that out. Yes, indeed. David Fincher, very good. I'd never heard of it. So that sounds like something I'm going to have to... Bro, it's, there's Oscar chat around it. There's Oscar chat. Wow, that's that's big for a Netflix original. Like, that doesn't happen yeah. often. Yeah, I think um, well, Gary Oldman was in the conversation I've seen, and um, even, like, screenplay as well. Yeah, yeah I'm going to have to check that out before the Oscars happen this year, however they're going to go on. Surprised you haven't heard of it. Yeah, when is the Oscars normally? Isn't it January? It's, yeah, usually very early in the year, so it'll be interesting to see how how they happen this year. I'm assuming they'll be... Like a weird Zoom call thing. Yeah, true. No, it would be very interesting because they just snuck in, obviously, this year, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they got in just before the world went all topsy-turvy. Because I know the Game Awards were on recently and they did it like they had the main host, obviously, on a, a set yep. and filmed that part and then all the sort of award winners and presentations and stuff were sort of zoom call things yeah i can't think of i've seen any award shows but i was just about to say the um watching the nba draft was pretty interesting 
Yeah, strange. Oh, same as NFL draft a few weeks before. Yeah, it's just different. So like the top prospects, you know, they, they go on stage and they get their hat for the team they go to. But so they've sent all the like the top prospects that all thirty two hats. And they like sit there in their living room with their family, like suited up, and whatever team they they grab the hat out of the black box. So big operation sending what. Well, I would have been like a hundred top prospects, thirty-two hats each for each NBA team. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of random hats that just get never get used now. Yeah, but the three did it very well. Then I sort of just had the three hosts at the headquarters and David Stern, the uh, commissioner elsewhere. But yeah, I think that's the new norm for a bit now. Yeah, well, the way things are going, I can't see it going back to normal there for a while. Like we were close and. Oh we, we knew, oh, we were so close. Toss that in the bin real quick. The old uh, complacency got the better of us. Well, there's even chat now that the uh, the Sydney test might not go ahead. Like, that's going to be... Yeah, I was just watching the news now. Surely it'll still go ahead. It's just a matter of whether there's a crowd. Well, they said it's going to happen at the Sydney Cricket Ground. If it happens, it's not going to happen elsewhere. <laughs> okay, yeah, so there just might not be a crowd. That'd suck. Cricket with no crowd is going to be weird. Yeah, well, I've been um, I've been checking every day for ticket information for the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to go. I was looking pretty handy. Like, we're going to get crowds in there. Like, I was going to be almost back to normal. But uh, now, not, not so much. Well, Sydney, Sydney Hobart's cancelled too. <laughs> yeah, the first time since, like, World War Two, Like, craziness. Yeah, so I was just watching then. Heap of the, the yachts just got up here. And they found out when they arrived. Big operation. Surely they could have managed to work out a way to get that to still run. Yeah, I don't know. Um... Test the the races before. So, like, test them now because they're obviously all going to be here now. Test them. If their results come back clean, they can do the race and then just make them isolate when they get to Tasmania and whilst they're here before the race. Yeah, I'm not an expert on it, so I don't want to comment, but there's, uh, there's got to be one of the easiest sort of on face value things to handle yeah because literally they're just on a ship like then on a yacht like they're not yeah the only points of contact are if they get off the boat now before the race starts and then when they get off at the end i think tasmania because it's like how like landlocked they are and whatnot um well they they shut everyone off pretty early and just they'll cruise like normal down there like they had no cases or anything yeah i'm pretty sure they're at zero now but like i can see why they don't want a whole heap of random international people coming in, but... Yeah, oh, the international, yeah, and thousands of people from mainland coming down, and you can just tell it take off instantly. Uh, so, yeah, over on Netflix, I checked out an interesting movie this week too. Yeah, um, hit me. I watched uh, Peppermint, the new Jennifer Garner, or newish Jennifer Garner movie. Oh, is it Jennifer Garner? I actually had a, had a look at it. I've been meaning to watch it. Yeah, so it's... It's a movie from 2018, but it's like just hit Netflix now. Mm. And it's got Jennifer Garner playing a mother who goes on this. She's just hell bent for revenge after her husband and daughter are killed in a gangland drive by shooting. Yeah, right. So she, similar to like what happens with uh, Taken, she just goes on. Yep. Goes on this rampage, just slowly taking out everyone that was responsible really for the shooting and like the judges and the the cops and the prosecutors and everything that sort of helped the leader of this gang get off 
Is it that's not too corny? <laughs> they do a good job of it. It's a typical sort of action flick, like it's pretty over the top and ridiculous, but it's a fun one, like and it's it's non stop from the get go. Like the whole time there's something happening, so it's hard to you're constantly involved, you're not like uh drifting off like I'm I'm over this now. So I'm thinking it's bringing me back to uh, is it was it unhinged from Russell Crowe, that them sort of vibes. Yep. Yeah, like the whole time it's just like, Oh my god, how's it just getting crazier and crazier? <laughs> Badass Jennifer Garner. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, there's a nice little plot twist at the end, which I'm not going to give away. But you're like, oh crap, that that happened. So that's that was a cool little spin on it. And the body count's pretty high, though. I think <laughs> she racks up like 35 or 40 kills herself. Yeah, solid. Where's it? Where's it set? What what gangs? Is it? is it like real life gangs? It's no, it's just. Generic LA drug dealer gangsters. Yeah, standard. It initially, when it opened in cinemas, it grossed $53 million and sort of had heaps of negative reviews. Yeah, I've, I don't remember hearing about it. No, and then now that it's sort of hit Netflix, it seemed to have found a new lease on life. Like, I think it's one of those ones that if I paid money to go and see it in the, in the cinema, I'd be a, a bit annoyed at i was like well that wasn't when out, went out of your way to go see you know uh, but if it's in, in front of you yeah that that wasn't worth my 20 25 bucks whereas now that's on netflix it's a fun one you can just chuck on on a sunday or friday friday and yeah it's just silly crazy action flick with a woman going around murdering people in crazy mental ways bit of a light-hearted uh hangover friendly movie yes very <laughs> As I was watching it, I was counting like how many people she was killing. I was like, oh my God, this lady's going nuts. So I went and had a look at movies with the highest kill counts. Oh yeah. And um, the first one that popped up was like something ridiculous. Do war movies count? Uh, I think they do, but I sort of didn't. Well, Legolas in uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Return of the King would be out there. <laughs> I Googled it and... Top 10 deadliest Hollywood movies. The first one is apparently Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yep. Because 83,871 people die. <laughs> I'm assuming they blow up Earth or something or a planet. That's got to be cheating. I can't, I can't remember. So, yeah, that was, that was cheating. Uh, the Lord of the Rings Return of the King has yes. 2,798 <laughs> people die. Yeah, that battle scene's gnarly. Yeah, I actually watched it a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> 300, Rise of an Empire has 2,234. And Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers has 1,741. Oh, yeah. But then I looked at, um, like, character-specific kill counts. Yeah. Uh, the top one was Smith from Shoot 'Em Up kills 141 people. <laughs> uh, John Preston from Equilibrium kills 118. Rambo in the 2008 movie killed 87 people yeah proper (laughs) john matrix from commando also killed 87 blade in blade 2 killed 77 and in blade 1 he killed 65 people i love how people keep track of this this is good content yeah uh the bride from kill bill killed 76 people oh yeah true In, in just the first one like that doesn't count the second one either so that's pretty crazy Rambo pops up again in Rambo 3 with 72 people. Riddick killed 67 in The Chronicles of Riddick. And then Will Smith's character in I Am Legend killed 56. Really? 
Yeah. Um, like what them little them zombie things. Most of them were zombies, so I'm not sure if I count those or not. Whereas, yeah, no way. Yeah, old Jennifer Garner here kills almost forty people, and they're all gangland members, or there's a judge and a couple of prosecutors. I want to know how many zombies Sean Pegg kills in <laughs> Short of the Dead. Yeah, that, that's quite a few actually. Um. <laughs> My favorite kill from uh, Peppermint though was the definitely the judge. She uh, wraps him in deck cord, nails his hands to his desk. <laughs> he's he's sitting there tied up in like tied to a chair with deck cord, not rope. She leaves and then rings his mobile phone. It sets off the deck cord. Yeah, right. What a way to go! Imagine reading the script for that, saying, "Yep, sign me up." That'd have to affect you long term. Yeah, so that was a fun one. That was a nice. When did we watch that? We watched it like Friday night or Saturday night or something. I'm just like, you know what? I just want to watch something and like have a good time and not have to concentrate the whole time. Like, it was, yeah, I was exhausted after the week I've had, and I was like, I'm out. Let's just chuck this on and a scroll movie, a newsfeed scroll movie. Yeah, and that, and I was just like, if I fall asleep, I fall asleep. I don't think I'm going to miss anything pivotal to the story, and you probably wouldn't if you fell asleep for half an hour. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed too with uh, that back on Mank when I was watching that. You sort of had to, like, with black and white, you had to be watching it the whole time. Like, it was, if you're looking at, like, a coloured screen on your phone, then you go back to, like, you sort of, like, takes you a bit to refocus and, like, work out what's going on. Yeah, a bit jarring. Yeah, it's definitely not a phone movie. It's just, it's full concentration. And the fact that it's, like, what's going on, you can easily, easily lose track of the storyline. Yeah, this Peppermint one's the total opposite. Yeah, so you can just head down, or put it back up. Yeah, nothing much change. Yeah, as long as you see that little twist at the end, that's all you sort of need. The rest is all yep. filler, people just getting murdered. Yeah. I also checked out a Netflix movie called Sweet River. Sweet River. So that's a 2020 Australian movie. I do like an Australian movie. Set in Queensland's cane fields. Yep. I'm getting Wolf Creek vibes already. Yeah, very similar. So Lisa Kay plays Hannah Montag, a woman who she goes back to this sleepy town looking to sort of uh, her kid went missing and is believed to have been killed by a serial killer, I believe is what it sort of alludes to. And she's just sort of going back there to try and see if she can find any clues or anything that the the police have missed and also sort of just reset herself and get a bit of closure on it. Is it an Australian movie or is it just set in Australia? Uh, independent Australian movie. So, all right. Yeah. So Australian act- actors in it? Yes. Uh, it has Martin Sack, who most people would know from Blue Healers. Oh, yeah, right. He comes back as a, a cane farmer who's also dealing with the loss of a child. Yep. It's a movie that sort of has... Like obviously, when it's dealing with a child serial killer, there's, it's pretty dark, and it's also got sort of mm. weird, sort of supernatural elements in it as well, with ghosts and yep. just it's a strange one. There's lots of twists and turns, probably because of that and all the different supernatural vibes and stuff. It got a little bit muddled and not as clear yeah. as I think they intended it to be. Yep, you easily fall asleep if you're not hooked on it from the very start. I was, I was struggling <laughs> yeah. there for a little while because it was 
it, yeah, it's just not clear. Like, is it trying to be a proper supernatural horror movie or is it supposed to be this, like, proper hardcore thriller about loss and grief? They're claiming it as a psychological thriller. Yep. Yeah, so it was, it was an, an enjoyable movie, but I think if they just scrapped the whole supernatural part altogether or, or lent into it more, like either make it really supernatural yeah, or don't at all, and it would have been a better movie, I think. Yeah, I feel some movies um, get a bit muddled like that when they try a bit, a bit too sci-fi. Yep, yeah, they just tried to do too much. Like, it's going well, then they just throw some unrealistic stuff in there. You're like, uh, why'd that happen? Like, stuff with, like, aliens or whatever. Like, yeah, I probably didn't need that. <laughs> yeah, like, Hereditary, it sort of gave me similar vibes to Hereditary, which had those... Oh, yeah. It's a bit chilling. It had those supernatural elements, but they just sort of were in there every now and then and sort of sprinkled in to heighten the, the scariness. Whereas this one sort of tries to make it a main part of the story and it just gets lost. Yep. Yeah, um, I was just seeing Hereditary and like Get Out as well. They're just done perfectly. Yeah, it's more about the psychological elements and then those supernatural bits are just sprinkled in extra seasoning. It's just something about Australian accents that make movies just chilling for some reason. Yeah, I guess because we're not sort of like you watch a movie and you don't sort of expect to hear that. Yeah, and it's, it's like, oh, shit, this is all pretty real. <laughs> this is close to home. Yeah, very close to home. So did you uh, watch Unhinged? No, I never got around to watching it. Oh, bugger. It's available now on Foxtel. Yeah? I know that much. I keep seeing the ads for it. It might be on Steam or something. It's probably on It's probably on Apple, like to rent or something. See, so yeah, going back on that, would look like one, another one. It probably wouldn't if you went to movies to watch it. you not impressed or... Or was actually you, you read it today. Eh? I really enjoyed Unhinged. Yeah, you did, eh? You and me talking about it. It was yeah. It was crazy, like it was ridiculous, but I actually really enjoyed it. I when I started seeing the ads on Fox, I was like, I would I could easily watch that again. That was fun. No, I don't know. I forgot what I went to watch. Maybe when I went to watch Tenet, I seen the the ad for it. Yep. Before the movie started. Yeah, Tenant's out on DVD now. Blu ray. Um, yep. Yeah. That'd be sick on Blu-ray. I think I want to watch that one on Blu-ray at home and actually be able to yeah. know what's going on from the start. Yeah, it's one of them I want to watch again for sure. But yeah, it'd be good in uh, the comfort of your living room so you can really focus on what's going on. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, sort of the last one I've been watching since it's sort of the Christmas break, I've been watching other random things rather than focusing on crazy stuff. Oh, no, I've I've been watching just re-watching old stuff too. <laughs> you skip. Yeah, we've been watching uh, the Final Destination series. Oi, did you watch all of I was I thought about this the other day. I don't know. I randomly thought of Final Destination. I think it was three or four one I really enjoyed. Where they're it's at like the NASCAR track and the car like goes up. Ah, uh, that's four. Through the fence into the crowd. Is that four? Yeah, I want to watch four again. That's sick. So yeah, we started, we started those a week or so ago now, but we found a nice little weird quirk about those movies though. Yeah. The first two are on Netflix. The three and four are on Stan. Only three and four are on Stan? Mm-hmm. That's sus. I was like, because we watched the first two on Netflix and then it comes up with, since you watch this, maybe watch this. And I was like, okay, where's three? I know there's a three, four, and five of this. Is there a four? They just get more ridiculous as they go on. 
ramp it up. And I was like, okay, where's the third one? And it didn't pop up. And I was like, that's weird. So because I've got the because I've got the Google TV, the Chromecast TV thing, I was like, right, go to the search function. It'll tell me what platforms the others are on. And then it was like, yeah, three and four are on Stan. I was like, <laughs> what the heck? That's weird. Normally a series is all on one platform or the other, not split like that. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's like with um, Netflix, I'm a huge transporting fan, like one of my all-time favourites. So, like they never have one and two on Netflix at the same time. <laughs> It's weird. They, they'll have the T, T2, the new one, then they won't have the original, but then they'll get rid of T2, then they've got the original back on there. But they never have both on there at the same time. So weird. Yeah, it's got to be, there'll be more to it. Yeah, so we ended up having to watch three and four on stand. Like, okay. Yeah, what are your thoughts? What was the, after watching them all, at once, what was the best? I, I think the first one is probably still the best one. Before they got too ridiculous. Because then, yeah, they just ramp it up and like the deaths just get a little bit over the top most of the things in it too that like there's things that you'd think of like they're real life you like this probably could happen <laughs> so it's like going on roller coasters and yep so it, just every everyday stuff it's just the worst they've brought out the absolute worst in like everyday things that possibly could happen yeah especially like the very first like the thing that triggers it all in all of them all actually feel like they could happen yeah and then it's it's all the subsequent deaths that are a little bit like how like that's i think in the third one the guy at the drive-thru gets munched by the fan on an engine yeah because he gets like rear-ended and the, the engine comes out of the the car that hits him and the the, the uh, fan hits the back of his head so i think it might be the fourth one there there's a guy mowing the lawns and he runs over a rock yep and the rock <laughs> flies into the lady's eye yeah Oh, is that it? Then no, but then um, the, does the fan drop off the roof or something of the hairdresser as well? Yeah, so she goes to the hairdresser. The, there's a dodgy chair, so it constantly just like drops. Yeah. So she's getting a haircut, and then the chair drops, and you're like, oh, she's gonna get stabbed in the head with the, yeah. the scissors, and that doesn't happen. And then the fan falls out of the roof and just misses her. And you're like, oh my god! And then yeah, as she so the rocks, the, yeah, the rocks, the final blow. As she goes to leave the the store, she tells the kids like, "Let's go! I've got my eye on you." And turns around, and just cops a rock right in the eye. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Classic, love it. And I think it's the, the third one. There's a a lady has like a car accident, and um, this pipe comes through the back of her headrest. And doesn't hit her, doesn't hit her, like she survives it. But then, as she's getting cut out of the car by the the emergency guys, they like hit the car to put the the jaws of life into the door and cut it. And as they do, they trigger the uh, airbag, and it smashes the head back into the yeah. pipe. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that. <laughs> it's just uh, so good. So they're, they're fun to watch. Silly, Very but awesome. a nice, easy. Let's chuck these on. Who cares if we fall asleep? Whatever. It's entertaining. But I... So back to the, the thing I was trying to get to, the the important one that I watched. I was on... I don't know where I saw this show advertised to, to begin with, but I saw an ad for a Tom Hardy show called Taboo, and I was like, what is this? Like, that looks like something I need to watch. And I was like, oh, it must be on Amazon. Searched Amazon. No, not on there. I was like, okay, where the heck is this show? Googled around. It's on uh, SBS On Demand. Yes. Spoiler alert. It's very good. <laughs> very good. Very, very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm only, I'm only four episodes in. 
but I'm extremely impressed. Yeah, very, very peaky blinders. Oh, well, it was, it's like, wasn't it 2017? Yep. So, is that pre-peakies? Is that to be, oh, maybe Series 1 of peakies might have been there? It's, yeah, it's after peaky blinders just because they, Tom Hardy and the, the writer worked together on peaky blinders and then went and did this show. Oh, right. Because I, I know Tom, Tom Hardy was a, Tom Hardy was a producer of this too. Uh, I believe so, yeah. But it's set, what, 80 years before Peaky Blinders, but looks freakishly, the whole thing is freakishly similar to Peaky Blinders. Yeah, which, when I did some research, is no surprise, given it's the writer, Stephen Knight, who wrote Peaky Blinders as well. Oh, yeah. And Tom Hardy as a producer, so it's like, okay, yeah. I can see why this is so similar. Yeah, well, because Tom Hardy's in Peaky Blinders. He plays the the Alfie Solomon's character. And I feel as though... James, Tom Hardy's character in Taboo, is like a cross between Tommy Shelby and Alfie Solomons. Yeah, very much. So that that's a big selling point there. <laughs> cross between Alfie Solomons and Tommy Shelby, that's the main character. Yep. Yeah, so Tom Hardy plays James Keziah Delaney, who's this sort of shipping merchant and trader who decides that he's going to pretty much go to battle with the East India Company and the British Crown over a a shipping lane and the rights to a, a territory in North America. And when is it? In 1814. Yeah, it's yeah, very early 1800s. But it's sort of... You can't really tell the difference much between that and, um, what, like 1930s Birmingham, what Peggy Winers is. It looks very similar and for like a 80, 70 year difference. Yeah, I think like the only difference is that there's less of sort of the industrial revolution... Yeah. The guns are very old muskets and stuff, and then there's no cars. It's all just horseback and carriage. Yeah, which I really really enjoy. The, like, the costume design is incredible. Yeah, and Tom Hardy. I, I think this is my favourite role that I've ever seen Tom Hardy in, actually. He's killer. He's awesome in this show. Like, suits, really suits him. But it's like heaps pure Tom Hardy. Like A lot of Tom Hardy's characters are like, like your Bane's. Like again on Alfie Solomon's like, is that Tom Hardy or is it not Tom Hardy? He, he gets a lot of dramatic makeovers, you would call it, I guess. But this is like raw Tom Hardy. Yep, yeah, this is just him and like he speaks clearly and fluently. Like you can actually understand everything he's saying and it's just a, a scary dude. Like he returns for, to England after 12 years in Africa where he seems to have picked up Sort of some weird voodoo magic stuff. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of black magic in this. But I, th- I think around that time too, that this movie, or this show reminds me of um, Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. Yep. Big vibes from that. It's probably set around the same time too. Yeah, it would be actually. Yeah, it would be. In London, same thing. Sort of looks into like the dark side of London, the underbelly and the what was going on between the UK and the US during the War of Independence, essentially. Yeah. Now that I've mentioned Sherlock Holmes, there's someone in this from Sherlock Holmes. Maybe I forgot. Who was it? Oh, you know about that uh, Atticus character in it? Um, the guy with that tattoo on his head, the one that stole his horse. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah, um, bro, I thought that was Russell Crowe. <laughs> Close. I was like, holy... Yeah. <laughs> Um, what's his name? Stephen Graham. Yeah, I was like, wow, is this Russell Crowe? It's a pretty brutal show at times too. Like, I'm not sure. If, yeah. Where are you up to for? I'm not sure if you've seen some of the 
I've seen cast very well. The most gruesome deaths, but there's a few pretty hectic ones in there. Yeah, um, or is it the one at the farm where that um that hitman comes for him? Yep, that's the one I'm thinking of. That's pretty intense, where he guts the guy. Yeah, I thought it was um like ripping his his nuts off. Yeah, I thought that's what he was doing, but it was like ripping his open and his insides, and he did his little black magic on him. Then he, he ended up seeing he ended up seeing the extent of what happened later on. Yeah, and then he like. I think there's another point where he cuts someone's heart out and delivers it to someone else. It's like, holy dooly. Ah, uh, yeah. That, um, th- yeah, there was another hitman. Remember he dumped it, or they dumped the body on the riverbed, beside the river. Yeah. It's only eight episodes, and they're about an hour each. Oh, is it only eight? Oh, it's only halfway. That's right, then. But, yeah, um, no surprise that it had those Peaky Blinders vibes and... It's made me sort of want to go and check out some of Stephen Knight's other work. He's done yeah, for sure. a movie called Serenity, and he's also he also wrote the show C on Apple TV+. Plus. So yep, no. I might have to go and check that one out now because this show was awesome. I love this show so much. Yeah, I was very impressed. Apparently it didn't get renewed, though. Uh, I, when I was looking at it the other day, it has been renewed for a second season yeah. in March 2017, but as yet. There's been no progress on it. I don't know what's going on there. Which is very disappointing. Well, I don't know how it ends anyway. So does it look like it's got potential for follow-up? Um, there's definitely places it could go. I'm not going to sort of suggest any. Yeah. Yeah. To ruin it for you, but it's definitely got like potential to continue on. But yeah, as yet nothing, which is a bit disappointing. Hopefully when our production and everything gets back to normal, they... I've had this year to sit down and finish the script for season two and can actually get rolling because I want more of Taboo. It was awesome. Yeah, I um, I punched out the first four episodes at once. Four hours sitting, it's very good. Yeah, I think I think I watched all eight in two or three sittings. Yeah, I might even knock out the, the next half. Yeah, a lot of cool little storylines in it within the main story that I enjoyed. Like the relationship between uh, the Tom Hardy character and his sister in it. Oh, yeah, that's... It's a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, I was like, at first, because it's his, it's his half-sister, I was, at first I was like, these guys are getting a bit close with brother and sister. <laughs> then you end up finding out that indeed they are getting they a bit are close for brother very, and sister. <laughs> very, very close for a brother and sister. Yeah, the 1800s, eh? Yep. What a time. <laughs> and what was another one? There was... Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for him to have some sort of relations with his dad's widow. They get a bit close too, but from what I'm up to. Yep. Yeah, they get pretty close. <laughs> so that's, um, they're keeping putters on edge. And then he's got the uh, relationship with the the brothel mistress lady. Oh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, that was a fun, fun one as well. He has a lot of power and connections that you just like, okay. Yeah, just like and back on Peggy Bond, it's like Tommy Shelby just walks around Birmingham like the king. Everyone knows him, everyone fears him. So like, yeah, he, like he's got the connections with just everyone, like all the bookies, early, like early on in Peggy Bond's, all the bookies, like um, everyone at the pubs, like the cops. But it's yeah, the same as in Taboo with Tom Hardy. He's just he's in with he's in with the madams at the brothels. He's he's in with the the rugged merchants down on the on the docks. He just knows everyone. Yeah, and then he's got like. Spies in the the East India Company, spies in the Crown. Like he just knows, he knows what's going to happen before it happens. Yeah, so he can, and he's like, he's in with the American government and always the president, really. Yeah, he's just a very smart man and 
a very good show. Yeah, so if you like Peaky Blinders, you'd be obsessed with this. Very, yeah. So yeah, now I'm, I'm going to go and watch C on Apple TV Plus, see if that continues the, the Stephen Knight yeah. love, and then if not, then I can just go back and finish Peaky Blinders. An interesting um, thing too when searching for Taboo, there was actually a movie called Taboo in 2005 which starred Tom Hardy. Oh. No, was it 2002? It was pretty early on. Yeah, 2002, I think. Surely it's different. Yeah, it is. Because I remember when I was searching for the series Taboo, I found it. Weird. Weird that it's the same title with the same actor and it's a different thing. Yeah, I think Tom Hardy. Ah, 2002, Tom Hardy is a bit unknown. Yeah, definitely going to check out C, see how that goes. Hopefully it's good. I've heard mixed reviews, so I'm weary. Stephen Knight. What is it? Oh, Serenity. I swear, what is Serenity? I'm looking at it now. Oh, Allied? He, does he do Allied as well? I love Allied. That's a great movie. Yeah, he does a few. And then... For Brad Brad Pitt. Yeah, I didn't realise. He's got all this. And this show, yeah, C on Apple TV has Jason Momoa as the lead actor. Oh, yeah. Could be interesting. Could be terrible. Yeah, geez. Stephen Knight's done heaps of stuff. Like done a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm, oh, I know what C is now. Yep. Yeah, it's very... It's one of those ones where you're like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about until you see it. And you're like, oh, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, seeing yeah. ads for that. Speaking of Apple TV+, Plus, um, what's that show we watched with the weird baby? Um, oh, Servant, bro. I'm proper keen for the follow-up. Oh, that was great. Really good. That's that's back in January. January, so they have, uh, if it's official. Yep, yeah, season two. Season two starts very early in January, I think. Because they've been, um, been teasing it, bro. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that got renewed. The 15th of January. I reckon I'd be in a position to watch season one again, too, because I've almost forgotten how it finishes and whatnot. So I could watch that again and still be entertained. Yeah, it's probably worth a recap. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. And now that the whole season's there, too, you can just binge watch the whole thing rather than... Yeah, I think that's what I did anyway. I, I had, um, it was all out, all out. And I watched it, so I didn't have to hang around and wait. So that's the that's good thing about waiting when something comes out and just binge it. Yeah, I had to watch it week to week, and it was it was gripping, but it was like, oh, I keep getting lost because there's so much happening in this show. Yeah, another thing when I was watching um, Taboo, it made me want to go back and watch some Peakies, start that again, because there's just lifetimes between seasons of that now. Yep, yeah, I need to go back and finish that. I think I got through two and a bit seasons. It was a good... um. Good uh, drip feed, though, of um, Taboo. To tip, tick over between Peakies. Really enjoyed it. It's almost like a Peaky Blinders spin-off or a prequel, you could call. Yeah. It, they could have made it. Watching it, I was like, this is so Peaky Blinders. Like, it was, it was tripping me out. I would love a Peaky Blinders prequel movie that focuses on, like, Tommy and Arthur, like, when they were at the war. In the war, yeah. Like, when they were fighting. I'll make it, like, a war movie. Yep. That'd be sick. Because a lot of Peggy Blinders is talks about what happened before the show. Yeah, yeah, they talk about it, but never sort of go into too much detail. So it'd be cool to go back and see that. Maybe I should screenwrite it for him. Yep, do it. <laughs> Send it. Like, that's what I can do if we uh, we lock down if it if it happens. Write a Peggy Blinders prequel movie. <laughs> Jeez, I'm on to something. So, what would be your top recommendation for the week? Oh, it's got to be Taboo, hasn't it? Yep. Glad we can agree on that. That was that was my pick too. Love that show. Very sad there wasn't more. And if you uh, want to watch something else, 
chart. Do you want to watch something else that's a bit wholesome? I rewatched Scooby Doo, the movie, the other day. You remember that? Which one? The one where they go to Spooky Island. Oh, that one with um, oh, who's in that? Yeah, I know. It's like a lot of recognisable. Oh, I'm actually um, Ewan Atkinson's in it. Yeah, he's the bad guy, isn't he? Yeah, it's so good. I've I haven't watched it in fifteen years more. I I enjoyed it so much. Scooby Doo from two thousand and two. It's on Netflix too as well. Ah, yep, that's it. Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Gellar, Rowan Atkinson. They're the main three. Yeah, it's a classic. Isla Fisher. Oh, is that who plays Mary Jane? I wasn't so I knew I recognised her. I might have to go watch that now. Good on you. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I enjoyed it as. I don't know why I thought of it randomly. But yeah, it's good. Anyway, go watch Taboo. Yes, definitely. Thank you for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Jamie Ups Media, and you can follow Blake over on Twitter at Captain Crumbs with a Z. Correct. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Blake, and have a happy new year. On Festivus. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Jamzine, over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Jamie Apps Media. The following people supported at the Jam publisher level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Courtney Paulson, Tracy Apps. Yeah.